welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. My name is Jasmine, and I'm your host, and I'm happy today to have Jason Goldberg with me. Hi, Jason. Hi, I'm glad you said you were happy to have me. Like, imagine if you were like, I'm sad to have Jason Goldberg <laughs> with me today. That would have been a very bad way to start. <laughs> So like people know, like people who listen to my podcast, they know that, you know, I, I invite people on vibe. (laughs) I go, I do it on vibe. I don't have really like intent. I just go vibe. Let's ask. So I'm just going to let people know why I invited you. So I've been, you know, watching Jason do his thing for the past few years and he when I first, very first saw him is when you were doing the not so serious life with Steve Alpern. Chandler, Chandler. Yeah, Chandler, yeah. Chandler. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, I thought it was just the, the most hilarious thing. Like I would just sit there. You guys were funny, but you guys, yet you guys were insightful and you had, you know, like it wasn't about it. Like, it's like, I like what you say on your your social media right now is like personal growth, less uh, personal growthy. Yeah, yeah. And that's how it really felt to me. And so um, I just, I've been, you know, looking at what you do since then. So I want to thank you for accepting. Yeah, and- thank you for inviting me. And thank you for watching the show that I did with Steve. And Steve is just, uh, if, you know, if anybody listening who doesn't know Steve's work, I would definitely check it out. It's absolutely incredible, life-changing. And, yeah. uh, and he's just, he's so good at, at you know, it's one of the reasons we mesh so well together is just this, this belief that, you know, self-improvement doesn't have to uh, align with self-flagellation. It doesn't have to be this serious, heavy thing that is, you know, that we walk around with this burden, this burden of self self-improvement uh it doesn't have to be like that so so that's why i aligned with steve and that's why we created the the not so serious life show yeah 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 i really is it still online like can still people yeah it's yeah, still there yeah we had uh 72 episodes i think we did in total and uh, they're all they're all up there they're all on the not so serious life.com okay guys go listen to it you'll see it's it's enjoyable to watch <laughs> and you. so do you want to tell people a little bit what you're up to right now uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, what I'm up to always uh, on, on the days when I'm really, when I really do it, when I'm able to do it, uh, <laughs> when I choose to do it is uh, to leave everybody I meet with at least 5% more joy than I found them. That's mm-hmm. kind of, that's what I'm up to always. And so sometimes that takes the form of social media content. Sometimes that takes the form of giving a, a talk on a stage or on a virtual stage. Sometimes it, it shows up as coaching or, or training or facilitating or teaching or things like that. Uh, it can show up or it can show up with me ordering a coffee at the coffee shop and uh, talking to the barista. So, so that's kind of what I'm up to always. And then the form, you know, changes as inspiration strikes for me to change it. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very nice. So I'm going to ask you, um, like I, I told you a little bit that the, the podcast is called Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. Like, what do you, like, what do you hear in, when you hear live the life you want? Like, does that say something to you? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it just, to me, it, it's, it's a, it's a real lesson in self-awareness and intentionality. So, um, uh, if I were to stress, uh, if I were to stress two words in in that last part of the title, it would be live and want. 
Uh, and I would actually go want first. Want to me is a self-awareness exercise. And unless you know what's really important to you, what your values are, what you prioritize, what's your North Star, it, it's very hard to live the life you want uh, when you don't know what you want. And so I think that the want part is really a lesson in self-awareness. And the live part is really important because that's, that's a lesson in intentionality. This is the difference between reading the menu and eating the food right? No matter how long you read the menu, you're not going to get full. You have to go out and engage with life. You have to be intentional. You have to go practice. You have to go test. You have to go experiment. You have to be willing to do it wrong, to do it messy, uh, to screw it up and to try again. And so to me, that's like, a, it's a perfect encapsulation of self-awareness and intentionality. Mm. So you've been doing a lot of like, so right now you're coaching a lot on business. You're helping people with their businesses. Uh, somewhat. It, it depends. I mean, it's really, it's across the board. So, I mean, there are, there are clients who I work with uh, anywhere from the people who are, who are celebrities, who are in the entertainment world, uh, people who are aligned with politics, people who are business owners. Uh, it's kind of all across the board. So for some of those people, it shows up as, as business coaching. But for a lot of those people, even if it, they're, in, they're in business or they're business owners, so much of it comes down to leadership and self-leadership, uh, not even so much about leadership of others, is really self-leadership. So self-leadership tends to be the thing that I'm coaching people on more than anything else. Yeah, I like that. Like, tell me, tell me a little bit more. Like, I, I think I know what you mean about self-leadership, but tell me what, what does that mean to you like or to anybody really self-leadership yeah i mean so that's kind of like at least the, the first iteration of my my understanding of, of what i developed around self-leadership for myself and my own practice and going from being somebody who you know for the first 30 years of my life i would say i defaulted to much more of a, of a prisoner or victim kind of mentality and, and identity and so the entire premise of the book prison break is about breaking out of the prison uh, of the mind and not being a prisoner of circumstance not having your life be dictated like mine was and i was masterful at it so i, I dare anybody to try to match my level of victimness uh, that i had for so many years but but looking at this notion of you know do i need to have my experience of life be directly connected to what's going on in the economy, uh, how much money's in my bank account, what my boyfriend or girlfriend said to me, or the song on the radio that reminds me of my ex, or whoever's in the White House, or whoever's in power in your particular government. D does that need to be what dictates my happiness in life? And again, for the first 30 years, my answer was yes. Like there, and there was, I would, I was kick, I would kick and scream to anybody who would try to tell me differently because my experience of life based on my own understanding of the way life worked, which for me, it felt like it didn't work most of, most of the time, was that it was directly tied to these things. So self-leadership is about waking up, right? It's about waking up out of the, out of the daymare, right? And, you know, instead of the nightmare, it's like the daymare, we're just kind of, you know, going about our, our lives and we're on what I call autopilot, right? Just, you know, thoughts are in our head and we just act on them or we believe them or we fight them or we do whatever we do. And so self-leadership is about waking up to that truth uh, that our experience of life does not have to be dictated by anything or anybody. And then we have a lot more power to, to create the experience of life we want than we think we do. So uh, it, it's funny that you're talking about this because so I've, I've been, you know, doing some coaching like this for a while too, you know, yeah. and I've been, my life has been really good and I've been, you know, if I'm doing this podcast, live the life you want is because I'm really getting that I'm doing what I want. And I see what I like, and I see what I don't like. And I remember a long time, for a long time, I would do what I don't like, because I thought that I had to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of like, this is what needs to be done. But at one point, I saw that it was like, no, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. If I don't want to do it. Yep. And, um, and last week, something happened 
uh, something happened in my life, something really ridiculous. Like it, it had, it was a non-event really for everybody else that was with me. But for me, something showed up in me. Like I had a shame feeling and I hadn't had this feeling in like forever. Like younger, I was very, very used to this feeling in me, but now it showed up and I hadn't had it in for so long. I was like devastated. Mm. (laughs) Like I was devastated. I was like, OMG, I can't believe this is back thinking that it was gone forever. You know, I was like, I haven't had it in forever. So now that's gone. Thank you very much. I got a nice surprise this week. (laughs) It was like, what? Yep. So what, what would you like, have you had that experience where you're like, all is good. And then all of a sudden these old thoughts, these whole, I'm going to, and I have to admit it, uh, it was a victim. There's a little bit of, there was a, some victim stuff that showed up and I was like, what victim? You're not a victim. Like I was fighting with myself, man. Yep. It was just hilarious. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that never happens to me at all. Ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. Okay. I just, I live in a constant state of bliss and I, I never experience shame or fear or anxiety <laughs> or stress or jealousy or irritability. All of that stuff is beneath me. I'm <laughs> far beyond what consciousness will allow me to experience these silly human emotions. Uh, no, I, I've, of course I experience them. And, and here's the thing. It's just, you know, it's, the, the challenge becomes, and, and, and people who have heard anything in, in self-improvement or personal growth have probably heard this a million times, so, so bear with me when I recite cliches, is, you know, we, we all know what it feels like to feel these things, and we all know, or a lot of us know, or a lot of us have heard, that when we resist those things, it's what makes it worse, right? You know, what you resist persists, and all these other like, cliche things. And yet, it doesn't seem to sink in for most of us, myself included sometimes, that that is true, that that is a, a true thing. And so it's it's starting to notice when those things come up, it's can I really not be in resistance to it? And, and, and there's a trick to this. Uh, and, and the trick is that you can't practice non-resistance to get rid of the thing, right? Because the ego is way too smart for that. Right. And so it's, it's like, there, there's, there's one thing where if you're trying to give a kid a, a shot with a needle and you like, you're snapping your fingers all around to try to get it to not look at the needle. And it's like, this is stupid. I'd see the needle right there. Like, it's just not going to work versus what you may do for your pets, for example, where you take a, a, a pill and you put it inside a piece of bread with some peanut butter and you mush it all up and you feed it to them. And they have no idea what's going on. They just, they took it in and it's there and they're fine. So, so the, the resistance piece is really important because truly not being in resistance to something means I'm okay if this thing is here forever, right? And then everybody immediately, myself included, the, the immediate, yeah, but the immediate uh, objection to that is, but I don't want it to be here forever. <laughs> and, and so welcome to your new life of it staying longer than you want it to stay because you're not okay with it being there. So one of the ways that one of my teachers has described it to me, which I've heard so many different things about resistance, but this one really, really did it for me was think about the room that you're in right now. And I mean this for you, Jazz, but also for anybody listening. Think about the room that you're in right now and ask yourself, what does the room, right? The container of the room, what does the room think about the furniture that's in it? <laughs> does it give two shits about what color the couch is, the position of it, whether you load it up to the ceiling with crap or whether you're a total minimalist? It doesn't care. 
And it's fine with you doing that as much or as little as you want for the duration of the life of that room until you tear the house down. That's the level of non-resistance that I'm talking about. That's the level of non-identification with the experiences of life that I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get it. This is a beautiful explanation because I saw it. I was like, and then I had a conversation with, with a friend of mine and I, and I saw it and I was like, oh, wait, it's just a thought. It's like, cause I, how I was voicing it and how it was living for me is like, oh man, my inner dialogue is yeah. like this, you know, so it belonged to me. And if it was mine, then I was kind of like, fucked, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, if it's mine, but it, it's really not mine. It's just habitual thinking I've had, you know, for so many years that just showed up all of a sudden. And I was kind of like, what the hell are you doing there? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and, and that's what happens. We get, we get caught up in the movie and we don't realize we're watching a movie and uh until somebody kind of like knocks the back of our chair right you know i'm sitting there in a movie theater i'm watching the horror movie and i'm like terrified and i think that i'm gonna get stabbed by the killer on the screen and all these other things and then some moron who's carrying you know seven things of popcorn and 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 nachos and pizza and he's trying to walk behind my chair and his knee just nails my chair and i get you know thrown forward and i'm a little like what the hell but then i'm not in the movie anymore right I've, i've woken up from the movie and now i go back and i watch the movie and i remember that i'm watching a movie so it's, it's like, how can we use those moments of, of shame or anger or whatever it is showing up? How can we use those as, as what I believe they're meant to be used for, which is the early detection system that's built in to us, that's letting us know something is off. So in the same way that in your car, you have the little light that comes on when you're low on fuel, right? To let you know that you're low on fuel. Number one, I don't know anybody that has gotten upset at their car for letting them know that they were low on fuel. You stupid car, how dare you need more gas? I put gas in you two weeks ago. What is wrong with you? You're a piece of crap. Like nobody ever shames their car for, for needing gas, right? That's the first thing. But the second thing is that light doesn't come on when you're out of gas. That light comes on when you have like 30 or 40 miles left in the tank. So there's still plenty of room for you to do whatever you need to do, to pull off, to find a gas station, to do whatever you, you need to do. So again, what if that, that shame or that anger or that whatever is a very early detection system, an early warning system built into you to say, hey, just so you know, nothing to be alarmed about. You got some stuff left in the tank. I'm not going to leave you stranded in the middle of the interstate. But it may be worth looking at this because it feels like something may be a little bit off. So when I can use it as information and, and use it as a, a description of what's going on instead of a diagnosis of me, that changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes person, when it becomes about, about us, it's just like, it, it just becomes so heavy, right? It's like, there, okay, there's a problem with me. I got to hide this. I mean, when you're, there's a problem with you, you got to hide it, man. You can't tell people. <laughs> you know so like I totally get like I, I could see the pattern of it like I could like it was it was hilarious when it occurred because I was I was literally like <laughs> I was like I, I and I was being recorded so I kind of like looked at the replay and I'm like I could I was laughing because I could see in my face going what are you doing what you saw it all happen you saw you you saw, and that's so funny right because like even even in this moment right now the fact that you're recalling it and you're laughing at it right yeah. that's how you know that you're not being held under the thumb of life anymore is when you can look at those things and you can laugh at them because you notice the ridiculous the ridiculousness of it on your own yeah. right you see the truth yeah 
Yeah. So I'm going to ask you this. Um, so, you know, you were saying that the first 30 years of your life, you know, you were like more of a victim and, and things like that. What would you say is one of the biggest things that you saw for yourself? That was kind of like the trigger that got you started, like that, that got you, that opened your eyes to go, oh man, let me go look that way instead of looking this way. Yeah, I, I got really lucky in a sense because my, uh, my background before I got into coaching, I had a couple of other startups, but before I was in the startup world, before I became an entrepreneur, I was in IT consulting for the better part of 15 years. I was in the, the IT game and, and the last seven of those, I was a director of engineering and operations for a, a tech consulting firm in, in Florida. And so I have a very systems-based brain, right? And in technology, so much of what we have to do is reverse engineering, right? That something, something is working, somebody's figured out a certain way to do something, and then there's a custom solution that needs to be done. So instead of reinventing the wheel, we go and look at what's already out there and we say, well, how did they do that? Because we can learn something from that and then apply it over here for the thing that we're trying to build. And so when I had this kind of moment, it's not, it wasn't really a wake up, it was a wake up call, but many times when people say wake up call, it's like that moment where everything changed. I had tons of wake up calls through all of my, my prisonerness and I just didn't listen to them. But there was one in particular, one, one wake up call that was like the really annoying alarm that somehow the alarm clock got moved in the middle of the night. So you can't even find it to turn it off. And it's just blaring in your face. That's the moment I had where I say the day the universe cut me off, which is the first chapter of prison break. And so when that happened, and I, I won't go into the whole story, but you can see it in the book, but when that happened and I had that kind of moment of, holy crap, like this, this is, this is not, I'm not struggling with my 332 pound weight uh, because of my genetics. I'm struggling with it because I'm not taking personal responsibility and, you know, my anger and my, my irritability and my suicidal ideation and my sadness and all these things that I was experiencing I had, I had chalked it up to having that there was nothing I could do to engage with it in a helpful way. It was just the way things were. That was one of my mantras back in those days was that's just the way I am, right? I called it my six word death sentence. That's just the way I am. And so when I had that, that moment, that wake up call, what I decided was, and, and it wasn't like this like liberating moment where I really realized that I wasn't having personal responsibility and like, oh man, this is amazing. I'm so happy. I can't yeah. see, I can't wait to see what's possible. It was more shame than it was. Yeah, yeah. It was that was not good news, right? No, Jason? no when it started, it was not good news. It's like, oh, it's me. Oh man, I didn't want it to be. It's are you sure I can't just keep blaming my boss and my employees and my clients? Because that's way easier. Or my mother, or again, my genetics, or whatever else I could do it would be so much easier. And so when I had that moment, though, that's when I looked around and I said, okay, there are people that I know, like people that are very close to me that have been through what I would consider, and this is, I'm going to put a caveat on this, what I would consider uh, much deeper and, and more detrimental traumas that I have been through. And the caveat there is you can drown in eight feet of water or eight inches of water. So this is not to compare traumas to different traumas. Whatever your trauma is, it's valid for you. But for me, I was just saying, I noticed that the stuff I had been through while, while traumatic in its own way, didn't feel as big as some of the things these other people have been through. And they seem to be okay. They seem to, now they could be lying. They could just be putting on a front, but they seem to be okay. And so I started going into the reverse engineering and saying, what is it that they know that I don't know? What is it they've studied? What is it they've learned? What is it that they understand that I don't? And so that, that thinking, that machine learning, you know, systems brain of mine said, there's a way to figure this out. We just need to go find the people who are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I, when I first started doing this, cause I, I didn't see the power of thought 
like as much as I did as much as I do now yeah but I could see that it was kind of like weird to me that one moment you know somebody would say a joke and I would laugh my brains out and the next moment they would say the same joke or they would say another joke that was similar and I wouldn't find it funny mm-hmm. or one day you know, my brother would say something to hurt me and I would be so hurt. And then he'd say it again and I wouldn't care. And I just associated it with, I just associated it with, oh, I got used to it or, you know, that, but it's, it's literally how you take it. You know, it's like what you do with it. So sometimes it touched me and sometimes it didn't. So sometimes I had a low, low morale if we can use that word and another time I didn't you know yeah so yeah so what what did that illuminate for you when you first started seeing that for yourself like what what was the kind of like oh this is interesting what did you feel from that listen for me it was just very it was I I can't even explain it it just it kind of like was the trigger that kind of like started me looking at what's going on here then if it's not me if it's not him what's going on like what what am i doing in this situation and and for me i'm I'm gonna share my moment i i remember a time i was i think i was in my 30s and i was um at a an event i i was selling some multi vitamins because I did a whole bunch of stuff in my life. And at that time I was smell, I was selling, um, I was smelling vitamins too, but I, <laughs> I was selling multivitamins and we were doing these trainings, you know, we had, they, cause they trained you and they drill it into you. And, and so I remember going to this event, but under the guise that I was somebody else, because that somebody had qualified for the training, but I hadn't. Mm. But he couldn't go, so he gave me his tickets, but they weren't transferable, and I was still going, you know, so I was doing something really bad. (laughs) Well, the whole time, I was, like, freaking out. Like, I (laughs) I was freaking out. I was afraid to get caught. And my friends were just looking at me like, chill, girl. (laughs) You know, just relax. And I remember when, when I'm... I'm a little crazy. I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the bathroom and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I need to get out of here. This, this, my body can't handle it. I need to get out. And I just had an epiphany that was like, well, what happens? What's going to happen? Jasmine, like if you get caught, they'll kick you out. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, they'll kick me out. And then what? And I just kind of like diffused that whole situation, but it was instantaneous. Mm. And that for me was like, I was like, you know, stomachache, 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 nothing. Mm. And that just launched it for me. That was kind of like, okay, well, well, what else? Like, so my stomachache wasn't related to my body. It had nothing to do with my body. Right, right. 
It's so true. Yeah. And I mean, and, and the way, the way trauma and stress and everything else manifests in the body is, is, is well-documented in science. Now, this is not like anecdotal stuff that people are writing down during ayahuasca ceremonies in Costa Rica. This is like actual uh, physician, uh, you know, peer reviewed journals that, that show the, the storage of, of trauma in the body and how that stuff can show up physically and physiologically based on what's going on in the mind. Uh, so that's, I mean, that, that's huge to have that realization is enormous. And and there's something in there too. What, what I'm hearing in, in what you said there uh, for me was you, you, it seems like you really started approaching the things that you took and, and didn't challenge. You started bringing more curiosity to those things and like really inquiring as, as to what was going on. And I think that's such a huge part of this. And this is kind of more of, of the spiritual side of this. And people talk about like, you know, trusting and surrendering and all these things. And, and, and I believe in, I believe in all that stuff with the basis of that the way that you trust and the way that you can be okay in the midst of all those things is to bring more humility to the process of life. Because so, so often I know that I've done this for years, my entire life. And I still get there. I still go there once in a while. I still, I always say, like you were talking about earlier, stuff comes back. I say, I don't live there anymore, but I still have a timeshare. So I still go a couple of weeks per year. Like I still, I still show up there every once in a while. And, and just like the noticing of how arrogant I can be that I think this is how things should turn out. This is how long it should take. This is what this person should say. This is what this person shouldn't say. It's, it's all arrogance. And so when I ask myself, well, what would it look like if I brought more, more humility to this process? What if I let go of this belief that I can, not only do I know what's right, but I need to control it to go the way that I think would make it right. And anytime I can practice that going from arrogance to humility, I have a very similar experience to you where it's like, oh, well, this doesn't feel so bad after all. And I, and I think that's partly because my belief is that 99.9% .9 of anxiety, and I say, I don't say 100% because I'm trying to minimize the trolls a little bit. It doesn't help usually. Uh, but 99.9% .9 of anxiety comes from the belief that there is a future in which I will not be okay. Right? Because if there was no, if, if I didn't have a story that there was a future where I wouldn't be okay, then anything could happen. If, if somebody told me, uh, your life is going to be absolutely amazing for the majority of the time, but every six months you are going to have a, an emotional breakdown where you're going to cry for three days straight and then you'll be fine again. If that was dictated by law or by my genes or by something when I was born, then like when those things happen, it would suck. I would hate those three days, but there's no part of me that would think it was going on forever. And there was no part of me that would think I was unsafe because it was there. So the more we can understand that the presence of these feelings is not an actual threat to our livelihood or to our psychological security, it helps us navigate life a lot easier, at least in my experience. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. When I, I mean, I remember you know, I, years ago, I had a house and I was having financial issues. And I remember, you know, I was lying in bed and I was having all these anxiety and, and what happens, you know, and, oh my God, what if next month I can't pay? And I'd be like, and I had the thought, well, you don't know what's going to happen next month, but right, right now you can, mm -hmm. that's you it. know, and then that's when I started bringing myself back to the, well, what about right now? <laughs> like, I can't do nothing over there and yeah. that's gone. So what about right now? And I noticed that right now I'm really always good. Yep. That's huge. And, 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 and the thing about that too, and, and I want to address this. One of the things I try to do as much as possible is address those. Yeah. buts, address those objections, because it would be very easy to say, to hear somebody say that. And, and I totally agree with what you just said yeah. and say, Oh, so then you just, you just lay there and you do nothing. And then next month you get evicted. 
And and to that, I would say, uh, maybe, first of all, yeah. uh, it's, it's a possibility. It's also a possibility I could win the lottery. I could I get a sugar mama. Like there's all kinds of possibilities, right? But, but, but what I want to point to there is that you being in that present moment and saying, right here, right now, I'm okay. Which version of you do you think is going to be better equipped at coming up with creative ideas to pay the rent next month? The one who already has projected the image of you being on the street or the one that's more peaceful and says, right here, right now, I'm okay. And for me, it's always the more peaceful one. So the, the implications and applications of this kind of thinking and this kind of inquiry and this kind of realization is not just woo-woo, airy-fairy stuff to sit there and make yourself feel better until you get evicted. It's actually a more effective way to approach engaging with the quote problems that come up in our lives. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we think that we should uh, worry. Okay, let, let me worry because that's what I need to do. Like I got that one too. I mean, I was like, okay, I like some, and I had a coach one and she said, Jasmine, it looks like you think you need to worry. Like she, she just asked me the question and I was like, but yeah. And she's like, do you? And I, I, I literally had to stop myself because it was just an automation for me. It, I never even occurred to me that I don't have to worry. Yeah. It yeah. totally makes no sense for me to worry. I actually just make my mind totally fuzzy. I can't think straight. I can't. So I just stopped worrying. Yeah. It, and, it, oh, man. That's so huge. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I have a lot of compassion for people in, in, in this particular situation that, that I'm going to mention here. And because it was also my situation is it's, there are a lot of people who, because of their upbringing and because of what they, they witnessed have an addiction to chaos. They have an addiction to drama. And I was just talking to a client about this today and, and, and he's been just like leveling, leveling up like crazy in his boundaries personally and his leadership with his, his business, uh, with his kids, with his health, like he's been leveling up now all these ways. And now all of a sudden he's feeling this, this, what he called self-sabotage, right? Oh, look at me. I'm sabotaging myself. I'm doing, and, and, and my dad said this to me and my kids said this to me and, and all these stories that are coming up and it made perfect sense to me. And again, I, like I said, I have compassion because I get not intellectually what this is, I get experientially what this is, is that is that he is creating that because it's more familiar to have some kind of suffering that at least I know if I create the drama, if I create the suffering, at least it can't sneak up on me, yeah. right? Because if I let it go, if I don't worry, that leaves me vulnerable to attack. That's what the nervous system hears. If you're somebody who was, who was raised around a lot of chaos and uncertainty and craziness, then the nervous system hears, no, 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 we can't stop worrying because then we're left open to attack. And so that's, that's the work right there is to notice when that outdated script is running and to really get back to truth. Because in this whole, you know, 99.9% .9 of anxiety comes from the belief that there's a future where I won't be okay one of the ways to, to, to meet that, to, to, to kind of get more curious and to engage with that is to look at the fact that there's nothing you've been through that you haven't gotten through because you're here right now. So if we want to look for evidence that all the self-talk about what could happen in the future, that's all just uh, anticipatory BS. If we want to look at the actual evidence, the evidence shows that we're pretty damn good in crisis. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that also it's, 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 it's some sort of safety, right? When we create yeah. our, it's like, a, like, I know what to do with, like, if I go back into anxiety or I go back into worrying, I know what to do with it. Although now it's been a while 
now, like, like I told you, I got shame and I was kind of like, what the hell is that? Uh, and I was happy. Like, I was really, honestly, I'm really happy that I did that because I, I, this is not a cool feeling. And I know that it just brings me into a swirl of thinking that makes me do bad behavior and bad decisions and all of that shit. And so I'm super happy that I was surprised to have it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I love that. It's so great to have, to have something be so foreign that it catches you off guard when it shows up. Yeah, 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 exactly. Wow. Jason, it was great talking with you. Yeah, great to talk to. I'm saying I was going to say great to talk to you guys, too, because we yeah. got the whole plan here <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. for, for the for the conversation. So the, cat, it, the cat's on the bed. <laughs> yeah, as cats do, uninterested in anything about existentialism because they already feel like life is meaningless. Yeah, uh, exactly. So they don't need any personal growth. <laughs> so, Jason, before we hang up, do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to? They want that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram is, is a great place to check out uh, my stuff. I kind of hang out there. We can continue the conversation over there. I am at the Jason Goldberg. Uh, Jason Goldberg was taken. So I had to get the Jason Goldberg, the most yeah. pretentious sounding thing I could get. The real, the real Jason Goldberg. I love when people do that. The real, yeah. you know, whatever. Anyways, I want to get, the, I am the fake Jason Goldberg. Uh, no, but so the Jason Goldberg. And, uh, and also if you want to get a free copy of my book, Prison Break, uh, you can do that. You can go to the website, getprisonbreak.com slash Jasmine for you, obviously for your name, okay. not some other random Jasmine uh, for, for you. And uh, and you can, you can get a, a free digital download, a free audio version, or if you're in the States, uh, you can pay a few bucks for shipping and handling and I'll ship you an actual paperback one. Okay. And is it slash Jasmine, J-S-M-Y-N-E, the way that I write it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Just so, yeah. wanted to let you know yeah for sure so it's slash jasmine j-a-s-m-y-n-e i'm gonna put it in the description anyway so perfect thank you so much it was a pleasure to have you on the pleasure was mine thank you so much for the work you're doing and helping people get that self-awareness get that intentionality and uh, and live the life they want i think that's amazing yeah that's it that's what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say guys dream it dare it do it live the life you want love it <laughs> take care everybody Bye bye bye